0: If if this morning does not go well, uh, you can blame Kenzie Sweeney. I offered her a dollar to come up and teach this morning, and she said no. Uh, So uh, if you have your Bibles, let's let's go ahead and open them up to the Old Testament book of Jonah. And you say, I didn't know there was a book of Jonah. I thought there was just a story of Jonah. Uh, So if you have to go to the table of contents to find where the book of Jonah is hidden, uh, you are welcome to do so. We will not shame you. Uh, at all for that, and so uh, let, let me let me kind of bring you up to speed. Last uh, January, uh, I started um, uh, just in my own personal uh, study time with the Lord. Uh, I started in the Old Testament and uh, was just kind of driving through some books there, and and I came across uh, the story, the book of Jonah, and and as I was reading it. Uh, I was drawn deeply into the book. And, and when, I, when I did the journey, it was, it was quite unexpected because when I was reading it, there were parts of it that were just kind of jumping out of the pages that, that I'd never read before. And, uh, and not, not to brag or anything, but I've read the book of Jonah quite a few times. And, and, and I think this kind of serves as a reminder that, that regardless of how many times you read a verse, or regardless of how many times you read an entire book of the Bible or even the entirety of the Bible uh, there is always this wealth of uh, insight that that rests inside the Word of God that uh, and I think this is uh, part of when the Bible says that uh, it is living and active and it penetrates to the to our souls and it divides you know our, our hearts that that we would understand that um, that God motivates us to continually dive deep and chew on what He has for us, depending on the maturity of our own walk with Him. And and so so when I started Jonah, I, I kind of thought to myself, you know, hey God, um, you can tell the Holy Spirit to take this one off. I know this book, right? Uh, there was a guy, God tells the guy to do something. The guy says, I don't want to do that. So he runs from God and, uh, and God... Throws him into the belly of a fish, and then, uh, you know, he spends a couple of days in it. Then he lights a candle. Then the well, you know, vomits him out, and then he becomes a real boy. Uh, that's uh, wait, that's Pinocchio and Jonah combined uh, in in uh, in Iran. Um, Troy, I, your shaking of your head does not help my heart. Uh, it hurts it. Um, but, but here's what we know, you know, the moral of the story is simply this, that uh, when God says to do something, you need to do it, or you're going to have throw up on you. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's essentially what I told him. Of, hey, I, I get this one. Uh, but what I found by, by just slowing down and getting out of the way, uh, I found something very rich and very powerful about uh, what God is doing in the world today. And how he invites us into that. And and so uh, from that time, I've been praying for God to kind of give us a window here at Merge to to walk through Jonah. I don't think it does us very much good to say, okay, hey guys, uh, it's Sunday, let's cover all of Jonah. Uh, because here's what some of you are realizing today. Oh, Jonah's more than just one chapter. Uh, there's actually four chapters. And uh, and so what I want us to do over the next couple weeks is to walk through through this uh, encounter and what we're going to learn a lot about Jonah uh, and in doing that we're going to learn a lot about ourselves but but more importantly what we're going to learn is about God's pursuit for his glory Uh, that when God decides he wants something done there are ways that he has uh, to make that to accomplish that goal Uh, and so let's let's pray and then we'll we'll begin in chapter one father we thank you for your word this morning we thank you that you've given it to us, and I pray that we would lean into it, and we would see uh, your great worth, and we would explore your great love. Father, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, "Amen." All right. So I, I asked Barrick the other day what he knew about Jonah, uh, and and he says, "Oh, isn't isn't that the one where the guy gets eaten by the fish because he doesn't want to go to Nazareth or Nizin?" Or some place that starts with an N, uh, and and I grounded him because he didn't refer to me in the proper King James version, uh, since we're talking about the Bible. Uh, but but it, but it dawns on me that if if I had asked you, hey, tell me about the book of Jonah, you would say something very similar to that, uh, very similar to my conversation with God. That okay, it's, the, it's a book about a guy who gets swallowed by a fish, uh, and 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 I think what happens is uh, how we. Focus how we uh, view on a verse or on a chapter or on a book. It changes the way we see it. Uh, and so, so for instance, if Jonah is about a man and a fish, then we're going to view it only through that lens. And so, which will be a gross misuse of the entire book and the entire story. Okay, so if we think of this only through the lens of Jonah, we're going to miss out on some deeper and greater things. And and I think the trouble we have with this book as adults. Uh, is that this is one of those stories that gets dropped into a children's church room, uh, and you say, oh, this story is for kids only. Uh, I am no longer a kid, therefore I have graduated out of this encounter. And, and here's what you need to know. There will never be a point in your life where you will graduate from one word of the word of God. Okay, You will never graduate out of that. Uh, you will never say that no longer applies to me. Uh, so no matter where you're at, no matter if we go... Through like flannel board stories, uh, where we talk about the Red Sea, where we talk about David and Goliath, and I pelt you with rocks, you know, which will be a fun day for me. I'm just saying, you might not enjoy it, but I will enjoy it for me. Um, you know, rather we, we go into uh, the story of Joseph and, and his coat of many colors. Uh, there will never be a moment in your life where you say, you know, I'm too old for that that encounter. Uh, I'm I'm too old, and so so. Our problem with Jonah, if, if we think of it in this way, like, ah, well, you know, that's kind of a kid's story, uh, and, but, but it's not. Uh, and so here's what I want us to do. Uh, since we never graduate from it, uh, what I want us to do is understand that what happens in Jonah applies to us today. So let's, let's start by leveling the playing field. And we're going we're gonna to understand three things by asking three questions. And you can follow along in your talk notes if you'd like. So the, this is the before we begin. We're going to ask this question: Who is the book of Jonah about? Okay, who is the book of Jonah about? And some of you are like, I don't. I have an idea. Um, and and somebody wrote me. No, it's not about you. It's about God. Okay, this this book is about God. This is about what God is doing. Not as much what Jonah does or doesn't do, though. Jonah is going to reveal things about us in these pages. Uh, that, that this can be so easy to forget in fact uh, let's let 's talk about the numbers okay in these four chapters okay we, we know we know of Jonah and we know there 's a fish involved, but here 's what you need to know about that fish he 's only mentioned it 's only mentioned four times okay uh, we know there 's a great city of Nineveh that God is going to send people to, uh, but that city is only mentioned nine times, even Jonah. Uh, who himself, uh, he's only mentioned 18 times, but God, God here is mentioned 38 times in these four short chapters. Okay? Uh, and so, so he, and if you remove him from this book, it doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't. Like, why... Uh, would all of these things be happening if God wasn't involved in it? And so so here's our next question. Why is Jonah about God? That number one, it, the, because the book is about the will of God and how we respond to it. Okay, if this is about God, what we're learning is what His will is and how we respond to it. That God is orchestrating the purpose of His will in this story. That, that He is longing for the people of Nineveh to... Uh, to change their manner of living. He will call them to repentance, and he does this by sending Jonah uh, to speak as a prophet on God's behalf. So so Jonah is using God's words to declare God's heart for the people of Nineveh. That's that's the intent of what's happening here. Then secondly, uh, because this book is about the love of God and how we share it. okay? That, that we're going to find that God is sending Jonah into a difficult situation to a difficult people because his heart is for their rescue. Uh, And that changes the way many of us view God in in particular. So let's ask this third question. How am I involved in this book, right? Uh, How does this affect me? And the answer is this, that God calls me to displaying his love to those he sends us to. And sometimes, oftentimes, the most loving thing you can do for a person is explain their desperate need for Him. Uh, and to call them at times to turn away from whatever activity they are engaged in. And so so if you're looking for ways to apply these verses in your life, then you can do so by understanding that our that our love for God should always spill over in our love for others. That, that Jonah's argument, which we're going to see in, in chapter 4, uh, is that there are people... Uh, that he believes that there are people who don't deserve God, God's mercy. Uh, and what God will say, his argument will be that it's not for Jonah to decide who's worthy and not. He's just called to go. And so, so let let's get going in, in chapter one, verse one. okay? This is a great place to start. Now the word of the Lord, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, okay? The word of the Lord comes to Jonah, the son of Amadai. And I love how the book opens, okay? Because it just opens with, now the word of the Lord. Doesn't give us a lot of background. In fact, this this word now uh, connects us to this continuing reminder of what God has been doing to reveal His grace in the Old Testament. He just says, hey, we're just carrying this on. God has been moving. Now the word of the Lord has come to Jonah. And if, if the breakup of the Old Testament is you have, in the first five books, you get to hear the books of history. You get to hear how God created the world, how God rescued the Israelites, what God has done to tell them how to live in a manner that's worthy of Him. Okay? And then you get into the story of the kings, and then when you get to the prophets, these are simply people that God has called to go spread His message, to talk about to his people or to talk to the world about what he is doing. And so, so what we get to see here as we get started is that he's moving all throughout these pages uh, and helping people see their desperate need for him. So, so now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Okay? Jonah's name means dove, uh, which is a symbol for peace. So Jonah is supposed to be peaceful. The son of Amadi, uh which means truthful. Okay, you're gonna get it. You're like trying to get it while I'm talking. You're like, see if he notices. It's like hiding a sneeze, but you can't. Okay, so here we go. Um, Saying this, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. If you if you like to. To circle and underline your in your Bible, those few words from the presence of the Lord are important. He went down to Joppa uh, and found a ship going to Tarshish, which is a hard word for me to say all week long. Okay, so uh, so so he paid the fare and he went down into it. You can underline those words. Went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord, away from the presence. of of the Lord, so let's let's get some context from you. Say, okay, God has told Jonah to do this. Why would he not go do this, right? I mean, because I'm sure when God tells you to go do something in your life, you're like, not a problem. I'm on my way, right? You've never argued with that. So let's let's get some context so that we can understand why Jonah would be less than thrilled to go uh, to Nineveh. Okay, so so Nineveh is in the uh, area of Assyria. Uh, And at the time, they are perhaps the greatest enemy of the Israelites, of the Jewish people. Uh, In fact, they were a brutal, they were a torturous people who didn't just invade and take over. Uh, They invaded and they made a statement. Uh, uh, Part of that is they would go through the cities and they would rape, they would pillage. Uh, They had this practice. Where once they, uh, and this is this is kind of gory, but this kind of sets the scene, uh, to display to the world their dominance over a city, they would take the men of the city out, they would skin them alive, uh, then they would bury them in the sand, and then they would take their tongues and stake it to where they. I know, I told you, I warned you, this is going to be gory. All right, they would they would stake it, and then they would just let the men eventually die. Okay, so so these are a people who are brutal brutal and so Jonah tells them uh, God tells Jonah to go to these people to call them out uh, and to warn them of their need to repent and And I, and I don't know where I got this idea from uh, and perhaps it was from a pastor teaching it but for some reason my firm belief was that Jonah was just afraid to go that he was like, oh, they're not going to like me there. Um, I, don't, I don't think that they will receive that well. And so he flees because he's afraid. But that's not what we're going to find out. Especially when we get to chapter 4. Because what we're going to find out is that Jonah, his patriotism, uh, he hated these people because they were against his people. And his patriotism and his racism overshadows his desire to, to please God. And this, this is, let me give you some context. So this would be like the word of the Lord coming to you and telling you to go to ISIS and call them to repent. Okay, Not, not get on your Facebook and share you know, a picture about how ISIS needs to repent, but that you would go stand before them and to declare to them that they need to repent. Because in, in our mind, at least in, in, our, in our culture, they seem to be the greatest enemy out there. Am am I wrong about that? I don't think so. Um, That they seem to be the greatest enemy. And and, and, and so, in fact, they they seem to be the people that we rarely pray for except to plead that God would just remove them. Okay, And so so this issue, like it is with many of us, is that we really don't believe they deserve the forgiveness of God uh, because they haven't done anything to earn that forgiveness. And this is Jonah's state. So they don't No, I, I don't like them. In fact, Jonah's going to throw a fit here in a couple weeks uh, because he knows that if he goes and he does what God's told him to do, that they would respond in the way that God desires for them to respond. Uh, and he's like, no, no, those people don't deserve that. They don't. And and so this leaves Jonah in a predicament because God has told him uh, what to do, but he decides he wants to go a different route, and so he flees. But notice that he's not fleeing from Nineveh, and he's heading to Tarshish. He's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And so, so let's just set aside the fact, uh, which we which really can't set this aside, but let's just try to set this aside, the fact that God is in all places, at all times, in all ways. And let's set aside the fact that He is in all those places, and that's for our benefit. That he is all places, all times, in all ways, as our protector, not as our warden. Okay. Now, Jonah has made this mistake because now he thinks, I need to flee from the presence of the Lord because I don't need to be around him. And so in Jonah's mind, his decision is to run uh, in an opposite direction. And it just so happens as he arrives in Joppa, that he hears there's a boat going to the city he wants to go to. He reaches into his pockets and he's like, Oh, I got enough money. Let's pay the fare. And then it says that he went down. In fact, verse 3 tells us that, that he's heading to Tarshish three times. Uh, okay, in this one verse. In verse 3, we see it three times in one verse as if they're telling us, in case we're thick headed, hey, he's not going to Nineveh, guys. He's going to Tarshish. He's going there. He's not going to Nineveh. And then twice we're told in the same verse that he went away, uh, fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And then I told you to underline these words. Where does he go in the boat? He went down into the boat. He he can't try to hide from God any more than he is right now. He goes down into the boat. As he goes down, he tries to go away from God. And so before we get into verse 4, let's talk about some insights that are prevalent Uh, in these three verses, okay? Number one, actually the only one here, uh, that God loves to speak. God loves to speak. That the word of the Lord at some point comes to us all. At some point, and it's through His word that He sparks creation. If you remember that, right? In the very beginning, God says, let there be light. So as He speaks, He creates. And, and so, so he loves to declare his great worth. He, he speaks through the Bible. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks through his children. He speaks through his circumstances. And he loves to speak. And there are times, there are times when he speaks that his love is known and we say, Yes! That's what I want. That's what I want. I'm on board with that, God. I hear you speak to me, and I'm on board, and I want to go do that. And we have those warm, fuzzy feelings, you know? Like, like when God says, hey, go give your best friend a hug. And you're like, oh, I love doing that, right? Uh, I don't love any, hugging any of my best friends. because they're, they're mean people. Um, but I'm just trying to love Jesus into them. Um, so, so, but, but there's this, this, we love those moments. But it's when God says, hey, I want you to go do this thing, and it's challenging, or it, or it invades some sort of privacy that we have that we say, ah, no, no, I don't think it's going to work. And so, so, and this is, I think when this is the case, we typically have two objections. And the first one is this, that God, I hear you, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't want to do that. And this this usually stems from this deep-seated belief that we are most qualified and we are most capable to determine what is best for us, right? That when God says those things, we are most qualified, therefore maybe He needs to ask for our permission before He sends us uh, to places. And, And I think this deep belief creeps into our relationship with God and all of a sudden... When we're confronted with an adventure that may seem out of our depth or against our desire, we attempt to choose our comfort over His glory. We choose that. We say, you know, I'd rather be more comfortable than for your fame to be known. And so, which is what we'll see, God is not willing to submit to that. Uh, Then number two, our our second objection is usually this, God, I hear you, um, but I don't want to do that yet. I don't, I don't want to do that yet. In fact, this is probably my best objection. Uh, I'm pretty good about telling him that. Uh, and then him saying, I don't care. You don't want to do that yet. Um, but, but we bargain with God believing we have a better grasp on time, uh, on the time that we have on this earth than he does. And then we secondly, we better know how to use that time, right? right? We, we have a better idea of, you know, hey God, I, I don't want to do that yet because I have just so many important things to do. Um, there's there's things on TV that needs to be watched. Uh, and so we promise to do things tomorrow if He will just simply get off our backs about today. Have you ever made that promise? Uh, I, I've been making that promise from the time I was a freshman in high school, uh, and I came into a relationship with God. And usually it's always petty, and it's always selfish. you know. And it started with, God, if you will... Just let me pass this test that I am very ill prepared to pass um, I will and making promises that my body can't keep right um, and so so maybe it's maybe it's one day I'll get serious about proclaiming your gospel maybe one day I'll get serious about helping those who are far from you find life in Christ maybe it's one day I will serve with uh, and worship with my time and my resources and my opportunities. But today, I have some things that I want to take care of for me. Or, or maybe you use this excuse, for my family that you've given me, God. Right? And so, so both objections will lead you into the footsteps of Jonah because you know in your heart what you're supposed to do, but you refuse to let your feet take you there. And this is the case of Jonah. God's told him clearly what to do and he says, my feet aren't going to Nineveh. They're going the opposite direction. And so, so, all the while, in your mind, you know that God has said what God has said so you feel you can't go to any place you believe he's going to be because of your willful disobedience. And let me tell you that people, people do this all the time. When God tells them to do something, the last place they'll go is church. Because they're like, I know God is there. I know God is there, and and I know that there's now an elephant in our relationship that I am unwilling to deal with. And so they try to run from it. I'll tell you another place you try to run from God in there is is His Word. When you know God has told you to do something, you don't want to get into His Word because somehow, in some way, the Spirit opens your eyes to see every single situation that you're reading about applying to what God has told you to do. he said, it's just easier if I just put my blinders on or if I take my feet in other directions. And so both of these places will lead you into the footsteps of Jonah so you flee, but it's foolishness because God's promise to never leave you or forsake you lingers. He says, "There's there's not a place you can go. You can't even go hide into your own self and that be apart from me. I, I am so intimately involved with you. You can't flee. And again, if God is the warden of your life, you will find that thought to be terrifying. But if He's your defender, and He's your protector, and He's the one who has wooed you into relationship with Him, that's a place of refuge. Verse 4. But the Lord... Okay, So Jonas decided, not going to work. I'm going the other way. But the Lord uh, hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and and each cried out to his God. Okay, And underline those words. That tells us a lot about the people that Jonas is in the boat with. Uh, They each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. And if you've ever been on a cruise, right, and it's that little, nice, little, gentle rocking, and you're like, oh, this is the greatest place. And so, um, so he is down there. So the captain came and, and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper, arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish who made the sea and the dry land. Then these men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, "What is this that you have done?" I love that because there's an explanation point. So they're yelling at him, "What is this that you have done?" For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them, okay? So these mariners that are there, they know they at least they don't they don't know of the true Jehovah God that Jonah knows, but they believe in the concept of God because they're all crying out to their own gods. And, then, and they know if you upset your God, bad things are going to happen. And so Jonah is, is, is exposed here. And there's so much good stuff in these verses. First of all, who caused the storm? It's in the first couple words of God did. Yes, very good very good, Chris. You're you're good, man. Your reading's really coming along. Um, so 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 God causes the storm. Okay, He is the one orchestrating the circumstances that we find in this scene. That the storm was so strong, it was strong enough to throw the Seattle Mariners into such a frenzy. Okay, uh, that's 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 a baseball joke for you guys who know baseball. Um, they're each crying out to their own gods. Then they start throwing cargo over to make the boat lighter so that they can navigate the storms. And all the while, Jonah, who is hiding from God, is in the bottom of this boat asleep. And the captain comes and he says, Hey, we're all crying out to our gods. You need to wake up. And you need to do this. You need to do the same thing. And But that creates a predicament. Does it not? That creates a predicament because he knows... Uh, what's happening. And so when they decide to cast lots, uh, which was a way that they tried to ask God, hey, whose fault is this? Uh, They would cast lots and it fell on Jonah. He's not surprised by it because he knows he's responsible for this. And then to me, this is the harshest reality of the whole book of Jonah. Okay, Because this is the harshest reality in my own life. Anytime that God has told me to do something and I've said, no, I don't want to do that is that we, fail, we, we we think of this book as, as Jonah rebelling, and we think the worst thing that could happen in his life is that he's against the will of God, and he's swallowed by a fish. But what we fail to consider is the collateral damage of his willful disobedience. Okay, Because of what Jonah has decided to do, he has put now the mariners in peril, Right, like they, are, they believe they are going to die. And then he has put in the people of Nineveh in peril because he's not going to call them to repentance. And this is, this is a problem that, that when God calls us into adventure, we have to know that it's for the glory of his name, but it's also for the benefit of others. And so if Jonah has his way, he says, No, I'm not going. And the mariners are going to die in the sea, and the people of Nineveh are going to hell. All because we believe we know better than God does so Jonah tells the men he's fleeing from God and that uh, and, and they are living in the cost of his decisions so let, let's talk about the cost of fleeing let's just do it kind of quickly that as a result of fleeing Jonah has lost the voice of God he's lost the voice of God we don't we don't read that the word of the Lord came back to Jonah, uh, but we read that a great storm has broke loose over these waters, that, that God was no longer speaking to Jonah through His word, He was speaking to him through His works, through the circumstances, the sea, the wind, the rain, the thunder, even, even the great fish that's on its way, okay? Even the great fish. Everything in nature obeyed God except for His servant at this moment. Everything else. And so God even spoke... To Jonah through these sailors who, who didn't know God. They didn't. In fact, it's a sad thing when, when a servant of God is being rebuked by the pagans. Secondly, Jonah lost his energy and his concern for others. That Jonah is supposed to be a person who brings the truth of God so people can find their rescue in him. That was his role. He was a prophet. He speaks the word of God. And yet, here he doesn't do that anymore. He's, he's trying to live outside of that purpose. He went, he went to sleep during a fierce storm it's totally unconcerned about the safety of others. And the sailors, they're throwing uh, the, the cargo overboard. And Jonah was about to lose everything, but still he just sleeps on. He says, I, I can't deal with it. He knows he's outside the will of God and there's no energy and there's no purpose for his life. And then number three, he's lost his power in prayer. That when asked to call out to God, Jonah knows that he can't. Because he knows what waits for him when he does. And you know what waits for him when he does? God said, hey, I've told you to go to Nineveh. I've given you a task. I've included you in this adventure. And so if you if you go to Nineveh, all of it, and we're going to find out. God's sending them to Nineveh. That's a spoiler, too, right? God's going to send them to Nineveh. He's going to do it in a really interesting way. But Jonah knows that he can't go to God because he's willfully disobeying what God has told him to do. And so, so he's he's now brought everybody trouble instead of blessing. He was not living up to his calling as a prophet uh, because he's choosing to hide the message from them. Uh, for them from God. And so, so this leads us to... Uh, he couldn't no longer avoid making a decision. So verse 11. And we'll go through, uh, I think, the 17 here pretty soon. Um, then they said to him, What shall we do to you? That the sea may quiet down for us. Because this, this sea is going to tear us up. It's going to end us. For the sea grew more tempestuous. Uh, I'm sorry, tempestuous. And he said to them... Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, Uh, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now, now before we are like, oh, finally, something to redeem Jonah, right? He's willing to be a martyr for these guys. He's willing to sacrifice himself for these guys. And I think there's a case to read it that way. Like, okay, he's, he's starting to come back to grips that, hey, this is my fault. Throw me overboard so you can be safe. Um, I'm left wondering today uh, if if as we read this, this is Jonah saying, I would rather die than go to Nineveh. Hey, throw me overboard. It's it's two birds, one stone, guys. Y'all will be safe. I will be dead. I don't have to go there. I don't don't know. I don't know. I I just mentioned that sad. I don't know. Um, And it doesn't really matter because something else is going to happen. Verse 13. Nevertheless, The men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Okay, who are they talking to now? They're not talking to that guy that they were crying out to. They're acknowledging You, O oh Lord, have done as it pleased You. And, and I love this, because it seems like the guys are more concerned for Jonah than he seems to be concerned for them. That they work hard to get back. It says they row even harder. Jonah says, hey, you just got to throw me overboard. And they say, we're not doing that. I'm, we're not letting that rest over us. Uh, we're not living that nightmare anymore. And so... They start to row harder and harder and harder. And I believe they could have accomplished it, except they're rowing against God. They can't. No matter how hard or capable they are, you can't row against God, and it puts them with deep regret into making an incredibly difficult decision. They know that as they throw Jonah overboard, it's a death sentence. Or at least, so they believe. So they picked up Jonah... And they hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. This is incredible, right? This is like, at this point, this is the most redeeming thing that comes out of chapter 1. That God has displayed His great power, and these men recognize it. Then verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And this is where people are like, nah, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Now, I'm just letting you know. Some believe that this is an allegory. um, But I I do not. You will find in 2 Kings mention of Jonah. And you will hear Jesus himself describe that just as Jonah was in the belly for three days, so I will be in the grave for three days. Okay? So this is literally happening. And so if you think of, like, God doesn't do these kind of things. You're, you're just wrong. Okay? I'm just letting you know. And I hope in faith you'd be able to see what is happening here. So let's, let's talk about some insights. we got two of them. That, that you may be the reason God sends a storm in your life. That's entirely possible. You may be the reason. In fact, uh, Charles Spurgeon, the great orator, says this, that, that God will never allow His children to uh, sin successfully. God won't let that happen. As a father loves us, as God loves us, as a father loves us, um, what we find is His willingness to discipline us. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, "...for the Lord disciplines those that He loves, and He chastises every son whom He receives." So he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, this storm in your life, there are times that it's your fault. <laughs> that you literally have brought that on yourself. And and Jonah serves as proof of this. He doesn't find himself in a, in a storm wondering why God was being mean or allowing this to happen. He knows that his actions led him to this point. That if we're honest with ourselves, in certain storms uh, we we may be able to grow through it by acknowledging our involvement of it. That God sends this storm because he has something great for Jonah to do. And Jonah, what we're going to find is Jonah needs Nineveh just as much as Nineveh needs Jonah. So, So the reason for this storm today is so that God can have Jonah's attention for the urgency of what Jonah's being called to do. Okay, and we're, he's going to start to realize this uh, next week. And then secondly, uh, your perceived nightmare, and this is going to take just a little explaining, uh, your, your perceived nightmare may be God's path for provision. Okay? Your perceived nightmare may be God's path for provision. So, so Jonah is thrown overboard, right? And the storm ceases stops calms down and I don't know how much further along the boat is at this point when the storm ceases um, but in my mind it's like in the princess Bride where it's just barely moving right uh, and then and then those ills are coming right when in Princess Buttercup that's Chris's favorite character in any movie ever um, but but as they're leaving I, I I firmly believe that as they as Jonah was thrown overboard that storm ceases and the Mariners are like and there's Jonah left in the sea, right? And now it's the, the sea is calm. And I would wonder, I don't know if this is the case, but I would wonder if there's a moment where Jonah says, okay, I, I might survive this. I might be able to make this out. I mean, it's going to take some swimming, but, but I, might, I might get out of this thing. Um, where's Nineveh? Because I want to go this direction. And then as he's in this sea, and as he is floating in these waters, all of a sudden he sees a fish coming. Okay? Now, I don't know how tall Jonah is. Let's just assume that he is at least five foot three. Okay? So any fish that's going to swallow this guy right here has to be rather large. Right? For, as we talk about, fish. And so all of a sudden, there's a fish that's approaching. And he's like, oh, there's a fish. Oh, that fish is coming closer. Oh, that fish has beady eyes. I think that fish wants to come see me. I think that fish is going to eat me. Okay? That can't be a pleasant experience. And it most definitely can't be a pleasant realization that this fish has all of the advantages because I can't out-swim it. So there's this nightmare scenario taking place. And now here's what I think is happening. God knows where he wants Jonah to go to. And he knows that he's at least three days, three nights away. I don't know. But he knows he can't make it. And so God sends a provision in what Jonah would have believed to be a nightmare. Are you with? That the fish swallows him and that in that moment is the best thing that could happen for Jonah or else he drowns in the open sea. So sometimes your perceived nightmare may be God's path for provision. So he's swallowed whole and there is no way in that moment Jonah is able to see what what God is doing. But he'll start uh, we'll find one of the most powerful prayers I believe in all of the Old Testament uh, in chapter two, because jo- Jonah will help us understand. Uh, spoiler: He doesn't die. I know some of you are like, "Oh, what's going to happen to Jonah?" He doesn't die. Um, he's going to have vomit on him pretty soon. Um, and I think I think the same applies for us that that we survive the storm, right? And and then all of a sudden the next thing happens, and you say, "Well, God, why did you let me survive that?" If you're going to have me swallowed by a fish in the next moment, that, that this doesn't sound like the way we would write this chapter, uh, that, and that's because we think and we pray much too small. God, why would you do that and only to do this? That, that God's told Jonah, He's told us what He wants to happen, and He is accomplishing those things for His glory, not for Jonah's comfort. Because as long as the story is about our comfort, we will never find a purpose worth pursuing. To start wrapping this up. So this, this leads us this morning as we try to put together a cohesive thought, right? As I've just kind of given you random ones. As we put together a cohesive thought, here, here's, here's what we're learning from chapter 1. That the word of the Lord will come to you and you really have two choices. You really have two choices. The first one is this, that I obey. And then I guess you can... Guess the second one. (laughs) Or I disobey. I obey or I disobey. Those are the two options when anytime God says, hey, I want you to go do this. You either obey it or you don't obey it or you disobey it. And if if that's the case, here's what we tend to do. God, okay, I don't know if you thought of it from this angle, but what about this? And God says, no, I've thought about this from every perceivable angle. And I've removed fear out of it because I have no fear. I've removed uncertainty out of it because I am certain about everything in every way. And so that moment when God says, hey, here's what you are called to do. And you say, I don't think that applies to me. You're wrong. And so here's what we're learning about Jonah. Is that he decides to disobey. And then there's the storm, and then there's the fish. And depending on how you see God, if he's the warden or the protector, if he's the warden, this is great punishment. Right? And some of us, when we're if we're on Team God, we're like, Yeah, Jonah deserved that. God, please be merciful to me. But what we're finding here is that God also is the protector. And so he sends this fish to protect Jonah. He will send Jonah to Nineveh. Not that, not that Jonah is the only guy in the world that can do this. But God is teaching Jonah something important about his relationship with him. And he says, hey, I'm moving you to where you need to be. Because in that, you're going to learn something incredibly powerful about my grace, about my provision, about my love for you. So we can choose to obey or disobey. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. As we wrap up, we're going to have uh, Troy and Jessica and Keith and Kim up here. If you need prayer this morning, we want to pray with you. Maybe perhaps God has been speaking to you about starting life with Him. We believe that comes through Jesus and Him alone. And you hear Him say, give me your heart, give me your life. And maybe you're like Jonah and you're like, I, not yet. Maybe you're like Jonah and you say, no. And here's, here's what you need to hear. You will never find peace. You will never find joy. You will never have anything that can sustain you and give you purpose apart from that calling. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe, Maybe God is telling you to do something. You need courage. You need somebody just to put their arm around you and pray with you. We want to help. We want to support. We want to battle alongside you. We want to adventure with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us We thank You that You've called us. I pray that we would see our great worth in You. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.